I hope everybody's been having a good week. I see some new faces here tonight, today. <laughs> We've had a good time. I think we're going to have a good time today. Um, after I'm done preaching, we are going to have a grace line. And I would like to encourage you, if you'd just like to get a touch from God or you want prayer for something to come up because the Holy Spirit wants to do some ministry today. I feel it. <laughs> it's on me. <laughs> if you're sick in your body, if you have disease, come up and get ministry at the end of the service. I believe you will leave healed. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a belonging to God, what we were just singing, that there's a intimacy to that, that we have to understand that, that, that there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, there's people in this room that we've made messes of our lives. We've, we've wrecked relationships. We've wrecked our families. We've broken things and just destroyed them in a million pieces. And God has one agenda. Everybody say one. one. He wants to bring restoration back. and He wants to fix things, you know. And, and there's an intimacy of trusting God with your life to, to approach Him, to know that you're approaching Him as a wreck and He wants to get involved to help you. You know, and tr the truth of it is you're not really a wreck. Most of us just don't know who we are yet. And He wants to get involved and, and help repair all the damage and the broken pieces and the, and the, the, the destruction that's happened in, in certain areas of our lives. You know, and, and most people can't trust Him enough to go there. That's not anybody in this building because we're going to go there. Somebody say glory. Because this is Transformation Weekend, and we haven't gone to this scripture text yet, but I think we're going to go there today. It says in Romans 12, chapter 1, verse 1 in Romans 12, 1, that it says that I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you would present your body a living sacrifice, and you would not be conformed to this world, but you would be transformed. Everybody say transformed. By the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And see, there's this process that God has for each and every born-again person, and it's called transformation. And it's the renewing of your mind, and it's one of the most vital keys to being a success for your life in the kingdom of heaven. Because usually we have preconceived ideas of who we are. Most people still look at themselves as a, as a broken thing that's trying to be fixed and that's part of the problem see part of the fixing that the holy spirit wants to do in our lives is get us to look at ourselves like god looks at us and the truth of the matter is that when you were yet in sins jesus he loved us for god so loved the world that he gave he sent the most precious thing that heaven had to offer to come after us so that he could redeem us not only rescue us but completely change us from one being into another that the truth of the matter is that if you are born again, that you are not this ugly, powerless thing, that you have the life of God resonating on the inside of you right now. That you are a new creature. Everybody say new. That if you're born of God, you're a new creation. That all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That, that, that who you were before you were saved, you were a, a destined for hell sinner that couldn't help but do evil things. But the day you got born again, God killed evil and put goodness in you. He put the life of God, the resurrection power, the new creation reality that you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And so you're no longer dark. You've been transformed to light. Somebody say glory. I'm having a good time. 
that you're no longer this evil, dark thing that's trying to become good. God killed evil and made you good. But there's a problem. Most people do not comprehend that with their brains. We look at ourselves through our failures. We look at ourselves through our past, through our upbringing, through everything that's happened to us. And that's how we usually live life. That's why it says do not conform. To conform means to abide by a structure that's already been in place. But it says to be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. And see, the main problem in most of our lives is we can't see what God sees. We, we approach him and, and we think that we're defeated already. We, you know, I'm a, I'm a defeated case trying to learn how to be victorious, you know. But Jesus put victory in you. You're not this defeated case trying to become victorious. You were defeat, but you became victory because you have Christ in you, right? The hope of glory. Well, the Old Testament, you know, when Adam ate that fruit, or I like to say it was a piece of pizza, you know, (laughs) it was a big old pepperoni slice, and that's a little more tempting to me than an apple. It's like a vegetable or a fruit. Come on, man. You, you, You traded the entire life of God that he gave you for a piece of fruit. Come on. I think there's some imagery there, and it was a bit more than that, but that's my opinion, you know. <laughs> but when he partook of, of that fruit, or whatever it was that it represented, that all of a sudden Adam completely lost spiritual life, and he went to spiritual death, and death spread into the entire infrastructure of the earth. And that's why God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, because he's going to make all things new. Not only you being born again, but glorification being made complete, spirit, soul, and body in a new place for us to live. Somebody say glory. Well, you know, but when Adam fell, the relationship with God in the Old Testament switched from being inward to outward. Because he couldn't deal with man from the inside anymore because man was evil. And so it would always, you know, baffle me about the Ten Commandments and how God would say, do this, but man... You know, they'd look to do it. it, says in Romans 7, that I want to do good. I would look to do good, but I would find that evil was present in me. You guys ever read that? The good that I want to do, I cannot do, but the evil that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And, and Paul was describing the entire human race before Jesus came, if you were not born again. That the good that you wanted to do, it was impossible. Everyone say impossible. It was impossible for you to do good before you got saved. Not only the people in the Old Testament, but before you met Christ. Before you became a new creature. You could not do good. You could paint a picture of good things that you would do in your life, and it would look like it was good, but inside, you know what you were? Evil. Because death reigned from Adam to Moses. And to all that were born into the human race, even after the similitude of those that had not sinned yet. In the Old Testament, God had to write the tablets, the the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone outwardly. And he'd say, man, keep this. Please do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. You shall have no other gods before me. And man would look at that law because it says in Romans 7, I would look to do good. Well, where was man looking? To the law that God had established. And so the guy in Romans 7 would say, I would look to not commit adultery, not to lie, and I would try to do it. But inside of me, nothing was there to actually do it. And so that I found that evil was working in me and I would end up doing bad. Oh, somebody save me from this wretched body. (laughs) 
Well, thank God through our Lord Jesus Christ that we have victory. Because if you jump to Romans 8, God flipped the entire thing. That if you bowed your knee to Jesus at some point in your life, whenever you got saved, the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it has made. Everyone say made. Oh, it's not just set you free. Listen, we miss this. It has made you that you were born of the incorruptible seed of the word of God, that it made you freedom. It didn't just liberate you from being set free. It made you victory. That the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us, made us, made us free. That you're born from God now. You are free from the law of sin and death. But the problem is that your mind has to be renewed to that. And if it's not, you're never going to walk in it. Because your mind has the capacity to stop you. Whatever you believe in your brain to be true is what you're going to have the fruit of in your life. So if you think you can't stop sinning, you know what you're going to do? <laughs> Sin. Most denominations have all said, well, we're all human and we're all going to fail. There's none like Jesus. You know, Jesus is out here in outer space, and we're here, and we're all striving to be like him. You know, we got to try to be like him, you know, but really God made you exactly like him when you got born again. Now, you need to grow. You need to learn who you are. But the truth is, you're not broken trying to become fixed. You were made fixed so that you could walk in that fixedness the rest of your life. Someone say Glory. But your mind must be renewed to that knowledge, you know. It says in 2 Peter that you would grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, if you're ignorant to that knowledge, you're always going to stay ignorant to truth. You're never going to walk in it. And so there's a process that we all have to go through, and it's called the transformation, the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And listen, the first step in that process is going to deal with sin. Everyone say sin. The first step in the process of transformation is God wants us to learn how to overcome sin. Because the truth is, you're no longer a sinner. You don't have to sin anymore. You were set free. You were made free. Made, made. That you and your DNA inside your being, you're not evil. But most Christians I know still walk around saying the good <laughs> that I want to do, I can't do it. And the evil... What I don't want to do, I seem to not be able to resist it. And I'm thinking, well, it sounds like you're talking just like the spiritually dead person that never got saved. We need to change what we're saying. We need to change what we're thinking. We need to change how we look at ourselves. Because the truth is, when the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made you free, God took those outward tablets that were ingrained in the stone and he He took out that heart, of that heart of stone and he put in you a heart of flesh. But when he did that, he put the law inside of you. It says in Hebrews 8 that you will need no one teach you to know God once you're born again. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. So no matter how old you are in this room, if you are born again from the, the youngest person to the oldest, if you are saved, listen, God wrote his laws in your heart and in your mind. You can know God now. The capacity is endless. But he, he put his laws in our hearts and in our minds for a purpose so that it could remind us. Everyone say remind. Remind us who we are. And the way that it reminds us who we are is through conviction. <laughs> Anybody ever felt convicted in here about something? A little Jiminy Cricket voice that sometimes we don't like. Oh, Pinocchio, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
you do things you know that you shouldn't, and all of a sudden you feel a little irk from the inside. And usually it's before you even do it, you feel that prompting telling you not to. But do you realize that that is the life of God on the inside of you trying to communicate to you? That you're no longer a slave to sin, you don't have to do it? And so conviction is a really good thing. We've turned it into be this evil thing, you know. Conviction is supposed to make you feel uncomfortable when you're heading in a direction that you shouldn't. Because it's magnifying the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the, the laws that are written in your heart now, the commandments of God. He put them inside your being so that you could look to do good and then you could look inward and inside of you was now good so you could now walk in goodness because you are good. Someone say Glory. Because God flipped the whole thing and he put the goodness in you so that you could now realize who you are and take steps over all sin in your life. No matter what the struggle is from immoral things to things of character issues and insecurities and anger and not walking in love. Listen, God made you, made you, made you, made you free from the law of sin and death. The addiction was clipped. You're not going to get any freer than you already are today. Your mind just has to be renewed and you have to agree with truth, process it, and then take a step in it we're preaching good today are we <laughs> but see there's a process there and, and you have to go through it because no one just starts off automatically walking in this and the number the, the first step in that process it's gonna it's gonna go with you heeding to conviction in your heart whenever you feel it this is the first step the first step not the second step the first step because before anyone ever preached to you what sin was once you were saved you knew it you know I could think back when I first got born again I used to be a pothead I loved to smoke marijuana before I was saved because I was evil <laughs> my parents were like why we raised them in church we don't understand but the truth is that I never truly got born again I wanted to do these things because from my core you know what I was evil but the day that I asked Jesus to come into my life I was doing cocaine in my bedroom, I remember. I wasn't a preacher there, it was just me. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I started to think about God while I was snorting bumps from a pin top. And all of a sudden, I started to weep. And I just started to cry out to God. And it was like, boom, the presence of God touched me. And I knew at that moment that I had been born again. And I flushed that cocaine down the toilet and I didn't touch it ever again. Well, but I didn't know what happened, see? I knew that, that something had changed, you know, something's different in my life, but I didn't have anyone teaching me yet. And so I remember my friends invited me to go hang out like we normally did. And listen, the first step whenever you really want to pursue God at a young age is you've got to get rid of all your worldly friends. If you're not willing to do that, you're probably not going to go very far with God. Because who you hang around with, you will become. You cannot habitually hang around someone and not adapt to what they're, they're influencing you. That's why it's so important to spend time with God because who you hang around with, you will become. You hang around with love, you're going to start acting like love, right? Well, I remember I, I got invited to hang out with my friends and see, I was clueless to anything. All I knew that is Jesus touched me and I was now born again and I wanted to, to, to pursue him somehow, but I didn't know how. And I didn't know that anything had really changed other than that he, he touched my life and I felt like I needed to get rid of my cocaine, you know. But then my buddy calls me up the next day and he's like, hey, you want to go hang out? And I'm like, sure, why not, you know, because I don't know what's going on. And so the thing about it is when we hung out, all we did was smoke pot, <laughs> 
So I get to where I'm going, and we're all hanging out, you know, and we're in that pot circle. You know, you form that little circle, and everybody passes a joint around. Well, some of you might, some of you don't. It's better if you don't know. Someone say glory. <laughs> Just stay away from it, you know, don't get involved. <laughs> But I'm sitting there, listen, that joint's coming my way, and all of a sudden my heart starts to beat out of my chest, like, goo. I could feel it. I'm uncomfortable. And it's, it's, it's hurting me from the inside, like I know I'm not supposed to be in this situation. And I'm convicted, and I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted about what's going on, and I don't know what's happening. And all I know is that at that moment, it was like everyone looked at me, and they knew that I was of a different species now. They looked at me, and they were like, dude, what's going on? And right when that thing was coming to my way, I looked at them and I said, I can't do this. And I walked out of there and I lost all those friends. But listen, I had a decision. Everyone say decision. You see, the renewing of the mind starts with sin. Before you're even accountable to anything, conviction's trying to lead you. Because normally we just start doing the same things we've always done. That's why it says do not conform to the way you've always lived. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind to who you now are by taking steps and proving what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. Well, I had to yield in order to work that salvation out in my life. And so as that happened, I, 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 I tapped into something early on ignorantly without even knowing what I did. I had responded to my new man, the new creation reality, the place that I was set free from sin. I decided to yield to it. And when I did, my mind bowed the knee and my new man, Christ in me, took over and I started to be renewed to who I now was instead of walking in who I no longer was. The first step, everyone say first, is conviction. You got to obey it. And if you don't obey it, your mind's never going to be renewed to who you now are because you're telling from the inside, you're trying to shut off the voice of, of Jesus in you, communicating to you to, to walk out your salvation. Most Christians I know, they've tried to dumb that voice down, you know, because we thought conviction was an insignificant thing. Well, I feel bad. It's a good thing. You know, if you feel bad when you're about to do something you shouldn't, you know what that's proof of? that you're born again. <laughs> you should rejoice. <laughs> you should say, thank you, God, that I'm connected to you and you're trying to communicate to me. It's a wonderful thing. <laughs> Conviction is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Everyone say good. But see, it's one of the most underrated things and most lost things in the body of Christ because no one wants to talk about conviction. We all want to feel good and just bask in the love of God. But see, God wants us to walk out repentance. And see, repentance, the first step is you ask Jesus to come into your life. You repent of who you were. But then you got to walk repentance out your whole life by responding to who you now are. Putting off the old man and walking in the new man. Can I get a glory? And most people I know, they knew where that voice came from. And they said no to it. And they never allowed the renewing of their mind to start. They said, no, 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 I don't want to stop, you know. <laughs> well, I've been there. I remember after that situation, there was lots of things that started to happen in my life where no one was telling me, listen, I was not getting anyone, any outside information telling me to stop doing things that were sinful. It was all internal. Well, you know, you're, if you have good parents, they're going to remind you every now and then, and that's a wonderful thing. <laughs> what you're doing is wrong, you know, because <laughs> I was young at the time, and that's a healthy thing. 
but it was coming from the inside. See, all permanent change is going to come from inside, not outside. And so if you never respond to what's working in you, you're never really going to change. Well, I remember I got a little further down my born-again experience, and that conviction would always try to lead me, and I had decided at some point that I didn't want to listen to it anymore. You know, when it goes too close to home, you know, you're like, whoa, I ain't going to stop that. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, back off, God, back off, back off. None of you have ever been there, right? <laughs> no, we decide to say no. And then we, we don't listen to what's working on the inside of us, which it's God that worketh in you to do his will and of, live of his good pleasure. It's the grace of God that's at work in you. And when you say no, you stop your mind from being renewed to who you are and you decide to conform to what always was. And so you stop the first step, the first step of the transformation of the mind. It's going to start with sin. It's not even going into the word of God yet. We're just talking about morality and walking like Jesus, you know. And, and it's that conviction that, that is the most lost thing in the body of Christ that we have not yet learned how to truly respond to. Because <laughs> I know, because we're still dealing with it in our church. <laughs> Everywhere I go, people are like, yeah, amen, brother, I know. And then I'll ask them, do you listen? Well, no. <laughs> it's never going to change. Oh, we got to become professional listeners at that conviction so that we could allow our mind to start to bow its knee and we could start walking like Jesus, right? Right? Well, I remember, though, it went after some too close to home areas in my life and I decided to say no. I tried to dumb it down, you know. I felt really guilty for a long time about doing the things that I knew I shouldn't. Eventually, it got to the place where I didn't feel guilty anymore. Listen, if you get to that place where you can't hear conviction from the inside, you're getting really close to where you're no longer saved. Somebody say glory. Because <laughs> it's the proof, the proof that you are still connected with God. It says in the Bible that they had conscience seared with a hot iron. You know, you don't want to get to that place where you can't hear it anymore. But see, I had, I, I had gotten to that place, and even in that place where I was, I don't know how close I was to going too far, but it was at that time in my life that I got introduced to the Holy Spirit. And you see, the Holy Spirit is the second most underrated thing in the body of Christ that most people haven't learned how to tap into. Because the Holy Spirit has been sent to guide us. Everyone say guide us. He's our guide. He wants to teach us. He wants to guide us. He wants to lead us. He wants to get involved in our lives and walk us into all success that God has for us. He has one agenda. He's been sent to guide us into all truth. Well, he reproves the world of sin, you know, and all that stuff. But for the born-again believer, he's supposed to be our guide. And you see, a guide is not a guide unless you're following it. Amen? So if you're not following the guide, he hasn't become your guide yet. A teacher is not a teacher unless you're listening to what the teacher says. I mean, they're a teacher, but they're not really your teacher because you're just not listening, you know? Well, the Holy Spirit desires that place in all of our lives to be our teacher, our guide, our number one mentor, oh, our best friend, our life source, our, our everything, because the Holy Spirit, he is awesome. <laughs> He's here right now, you know that? He's in me. He's in you. He's a person. He has a voice. He can communicate. Well, I'd gotten to that place in my life where I had seared my conscience off. And I just, just you know, I, don't, I was doing bad. Me and God weren't doing too well. 
And I got introduced to the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Alan Taylor came down to our church in South Texas. And he said, listen, if you will pray in tongues, if you will start to pray in tongues, you know, because praying in tongues... Oh my goodness, it is the access into the all-knowing knowledge of what God has for you as an individual, not only in the plan and purpose and will of God, but to teach you who you are so that you can learn how to overcome every obstacle that's standing in your way. And the Holy Spirit has been sent to guide us into all truth, but that guiding is not automatic. There's something that me and you have to do in order to access it. And it's this wonderful process that God has introduced into us that comes from Jude 20 that says, but ye beloved. Well, if you are a part of the beloved, you're a part of the body of Christ, right? Covers all. There's no exceptions. Doesn't leave out the Baptist or the Presbyterian or anybody that's born again. You're a part of the beloved, right? But ye, beloved, that you would build yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. And praying in the Holy Ghost means you're praying with the prayer language that he's given you. It's not you praying in your own intellect and what you come up with. Praying in the Holy Ghost is you speaking in an unknown tongue. Because 1 Corinthians 14 says that he that prays in an unknown tongue, he speaketh not unto man but unto God. Howbeit in the spirit, he speaks mysteries, you know. My pastor, Pastor Dave in Tulsa, so he'd always say, do you think you're going to sneak up on God and teach him some mystery that he doesn't already know? Who do you think the mysteries are for? Me and you. So if you're speaking in an unknown tongue, you're speaking these mysteries. Well, what good are mysteries? Well, mysteries are for your benefit because it's something you don't know yet. And the number one mystery that the Holy Spirit has been sent, because he's going to take of his and show it unto you, really. And he's come to lead us into who we are. And the number one mystery is the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's the mystery of Jesus working in your life that the Holy Spirit has been come to illuminate so that you could see that you're more, everybody say more, than a conqueror. You're not this just defeated source. You're more. And if you're more, that means you're already conquering. And the Holy Spirit has been sent to teach us line upon line who we are, to paint the image so clear that you've been born again, that you have Christ in you, that you are not a failure, you are a success. Oh, but the way he starts to build you up when you decide to pray is that he starts to reawaken your conscience <laughs> to whatever you've seared off in your life that you were convicted about at one point. Because he builds you up on your most holy faith. And you know what your most holy faith is? That the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made you free. So he comes and he starts to illuminate Christ in you. And so I had seared off my conscience. You know, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm doing my own thing. See you later, God. I'm out. I'm doing, shoot, we're gone. You know, we're doing this. And then my pastor friend comes down and says, if you will pray in tongues, if you will give the Holy Spirit time, it's going to pray out the perfect will of God in your life. And the perfect will of God in your life is going to go back to step one that's going to teach you how to overcome sin. It's not going to skip that step. <laughs> going to say let's deal with this let's deal with the problem but when I started to pray in tongues because I believed him he said if you pray in tongues you're going to change if you pray in tongues it's going to allow the Holy Spirit to become your teacher your guide and so I did and he started to build me up just like the Bible says my spirit started to be edified I started to come to the knowledge of the mystery of Christ in me and it started to become so clear but knowledge is one thing, but obedience to that knowledge is on a whole nother playing field, and that's where a lot of us stop. 
Because once he comes and starts to reveal who you are, his, his whole ambition and goal is to get you to respond and take steps in it. Because this is a walk. Everybody say walk. It's not just this thing where you connect with God and then you expect him to do everything for you. There are steps that each of us have to take in order to move forward. And so you start to give the Holy Spirit access into your life and he starts to build you up and talk to you and teach you who you are. But then he starts to ask you to take steps. And the only person that could take steps in your life on this side of eternity is you, not him. He doesn't possess you and just make you do things. He guides you. If you're going to guide someone, they're not pushing you. They're not forcing you. They're asking you to follow you know, I could punch in the coordinates on my GPS and it's trying to guide me, but I could take any route I want, you know. But that direction to go stays very crystal clear, straight. It's the quickest way, you know. You could go left if you want, but it's going to add time. <laughs> well, it's the same way the Holy Spirit works. You get a hold of him and he starts to teach you and guide you. Then he lays out this perfect path for you to walk, which is the will of God. And then usually we start walking it. And it he's saying, follow me. But then we see these distractions on the left and the right. You know, well, let's take a little side trail here. And it adds time. But it's okay because God's, he's able to recalculate things. Somebody say glory. glory. I've made some side trails that have cost me lots of time. But I'm so thankful for his mercy because he always reroutes me back to that perfect path. See, the Holy Spirit, he's, he's precious. He knows the entire plan of God. He knows the will of God. He knows how you don't understand who you are yet, and he wants to come teach that to you. He's our best friend, and see, most people, they, 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 don't have, they have a hard time going to him and even trusting him because they know all their problems. And see, the number one goal that he wants is to teach you who you are so that you could get your problems out of your life. He's compassionate. He's full of mercy. Oh, he's long-suffering. Everybody say long. He'll walk with you while you're failing left and right, right and left, left and right, right and left, and he's long-suffering. Everybody say long. And see, long-suffering means that you suffer long. <laughs> but his goal is not for us to just keep failing. He wants us to see who we are so that we could actually take one step and start to walk into more of him. And he deals with us in different ways, you know. And I, I got a hold of that precious prayer language that he gave me. And I started to spend time praying. And he started to lead my life. He started to unlock the mystery of Christ in me. I started to find victory over all the times that I had failed in the past. Because I was now realizing who I was. And who I was wasn't someone that had to sin anymore. Who I was was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Who I was was someone that wasn't addicted to always fail to lust. Who I was was the person that had a, the ability to put lust off. Who I was wasn't that angry person that I'd always been. And I'd, I'd just snap and just react with every fleeting thing that would come my way that I didn't like. Who I was was love because God is love. And as he is, so are you, right? So that means you are love right now at your core. Well, why are you still reacting in situations and not acting like love? Because you don't know who you are yet. You still think that you're the problem trying to become the answer. And the Holy Spirit's been sent to teach us that God made you the answer. He gave you freedom. He made you love. He just wants you to see it so that you can start walking in it and growing it. Somebody say glory. glory. 
We still look at ourselves as I'm, I'm anger trying to become patient. I'm lustful trying to become pure. But the truth is that God killed lust and made you pure. He just wants you to start reacting out of the purity that's in you. You're not anger trying to learn to be patient. God made you patient from your nature and he wants you to start to grow in it and let it overtake your life. You're not dirty trying to become good. He made you good so you could walk in goodness. Amen? Well, it's easy to preach that until you're faced with the situation that you always, you know, normally are. We all have pressure points in our lives, you know. When I first got born again, I had a really short temper. If he poked me the wrong way, I would react. And I mean, when I would react, I would react. I used to punch holes in walls growing up. You know, get your fist all bloody, just angry, angry. I want to hit someone in the face. I'd tell you I didn't like you, and, and I'd want to fight all the time. And it was just a, a fruit of who I was. And once I got born again, usually the cop-out response is, this is how I've always been, you know. <laughs> You just don't understand. I mean, this is how I was raised. This is how I've always reacted. You just need to put up with me. And it's hogwash because it doesn't come from Christ. Because the, the pattern of who you were is not who you are now. That if he's made all things new, if he's made you love, he expects you to start learning how to react in love. Because you're no longer the problem. He made you the answer and he wants you to grow in it and overcome that thing that's always stopped you. But when we say, well... It's just how my daddy was, and his daddy was like that, and because of that, that's how I'm going to be. You're kind of killing the answer already. <laughs> You're giving justification for you to always react like you always have, and it's just taking away the answer because you'll never rise above your confession. Well, this is who I am. No, it's not who you are. And if you start to spend time praying in tongues, the Holy Spirit's going to start to teach you who you really are. You are love, <laughs> you can forgive. You can't let it go. Well, I just don't feel it. That's part of the problem. We walk by faith and not by sight. Quit looking to your feelings for the answer. I've never felt strong enough to overcome whenever I've overcome in my life. Let that sink in for like five seconds. <laughs> I've never once felt strong enough when I've walked in victory. I've never once felt like I was ready to overcome when I've overcome, but guess what? I overcame because I don't walk by my feelings. They don't dictate to me who I am. Christ dictates to me who I am. The word of God says who I am. So I look to his word to get strength and pull from his source that tells me who I am. And what he says I am, that's what I am. I don't care what you say. Somebody say glory. Opinions don't matter. What, what society tries to dictate to you doesn't matter. What your family tries to paint you as doesn't matter. What the word of God says is so. And if you don't know what it says, well, it's time to open the book and start reading it, right? Amen. Well, I just don't have time. Well, you can live in failure the rest of your life if you want, but you don't have to. Somebody say glory. Well, you start to meditate the word of God and it paints the picture. You know, you look into that perfect law of liberty, which is not only in you, but the word of God that divides and it cuts soul and spirit. So clear. It teaches you that he who knew no sin was made to be sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's a past tense thing that happened. That you were, were is past tense, sometimes darkness, but now, present tense, right now, right now, right now, you are light in the Lord. It's the reality of who you are. The renewing of the mind takes 
takes that next step. Once you learn to, to heed the conviction, you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to get involved in your life. Because He'll go beyond sin and start to give you all the knowledge that goes beyond you so that you can learn how to overcome the pitfalls of what you don't know yet. <laughs> And then, and then it's going to go beyond that, the renewing of the mind. He wants us to walk like Jesus so that we could see miracles just like he did. It's going to take that step. You've got to overcome sin. You've got to learn the plan of God. Then he wants you to walk just like Jesus because Jesus didn't ascend to heaven just so that we could sit here and stay the same on earth. He's seated at the right hand of God, but you're seated in him, and the Holy Spirit's been sent to not only guide you into all truth, but he's given you the power to have the same results as him. Most of the time, we don't even believe that because we haven't figured out how to stop sitting yet. That's why it's the first step. And let's go back and let's get the progression and get this train moving. Somebody say glory. Because we're going to get to the place where we believe the word of God, not only for ourselves, but get it to work for other people. Jesus went everywhere healing all. Everyone say all. They were oppressed of the devil. There was no exceptions. Everywhere he went, miracles broke out. He was healing all the sick. Well, that's another step in renewing the mind. You've got to believe that all things are possible. Not only for yourself to change, but to be able to help someone else. Well, I want all the limits off God. I want to see everything that he said we can have because it's there. And all that God is waiting for is a man or a woman to make the on-purpose decision to go all the way into him by spending time with the Holy Spirit, by spending time in the Word, by getting to know him and letting him become their personal teacher and guide, but then obeying all of his instructions and letting him conform us to the image of Christ because this is the only way into this. You've got to get to know God. Blessed is the man does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight, Psalms 1 says, is in the law of God, or you could say the word of God. And in this law does he meditate day and night. It says that he's going to be like a, a tree that's planted by the rivers of living water that's going to bear his fruit and his leaf's not going to wither. If you plant your life in meditating the word of God, it's going to bear fruit in your life. You cannot habitually read the word and read the word and read the word without it becoming who you are because it gets in you and you believe it. But if you don't even know what it says, then you're never going to believe it. Faith comes by hearing, or you could say hearing and understanding what the Bible says. Amen. Oh, we could crack open our Bibles and start to meditate and get the knowledge of God and start to pray in the Spirit and let the Holy Spirit become our teacher. And we could start to take those steps and move forward and grow and we can get on with this thing and we can go all the way into revival and flip this city upside down. Somebody say glory. glory. The question is, will you go there? Will you allow the Holy Spirit time in your life? Will you pray? Will you read your Bible? Well, if you come to this church, you've heard Richard talk about it, and you're probably sick of it by now, you know. Ah. And then that one Sunday, Miss Roberta comes up, and she's like, you just, you just need to pray in tongues. Not her, too. Can't we talk about something else? Can't we change what we're preaching here, you know? Why are they so redundant to preach the same things over and over and over? Because there's only one way into this, and it's up to you. I can't make those decisions for you. You know, God has a voice. Listen, I have been able to tap into hearing him so clearly that I know that me and my family, we're not guessing where we're going. He guides us and he guides us because I listen to him. 
So when he speaks to me, I do, I do what he says, you know. There's been a couple times where I haven't done what he says, and then he kind of stops speaking. You know why? Because he wants me to go back and do what he already said. If you want him to continually guide you, you have to learn obedience. Well, a lot of us already know what he's been saying. <laughs> and sometimes we, are, we're, you know, we get excited. The conference is coming up. We're hoping the preacher's going to say something different, and God's just going to bring a mirror back to the thing he's already said. <laughs> It's time to move forward, you know? It's time to be obedient. Oh, if one of the best decisions that I ever made in my life was to decide to pray in the Holy Spirit. To spend five to ten minutes, start small and let it build, you know? Your mind, it's unfruitful when it's happening. It's not really involved in the process. You could pray while you're driving. You could pray while you're working if your job allows. You could pray while you're watching TV. I've done it. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it, but I've done it. It's like a counterproductive thing. You're renewing your mind to one side, and then you're conforming to the world on the other side. <laughs> your mind's not involved. You could pray. It's one of the most easiest things that God's made it so simple that you can add it into your life wherever you're at. You have no excuse. You could be the, I have a lot of kids. That's okay, Mommy. You could do it while you're washing dishes. You could do it while you're vacuuming the floor. That If you decide to pray, no matter what you're doing, that the prayer is working because the Holy Spirit's building you up and it doesn't have to feel emotional. I've been praying in tongues for about 14 years and I've done lots of prayer and it's never really once felt spiritual. It feels like me just talking to someone else like the most normal thing. I don't even feel edified when I'm doing it, but my God, it works because I've seen the results in my life. You don't have to feel anything. You just pray. Well, I feel bad. That's okay. Keep praying. Eventually, you're going to feel good. <laughs> He's building you up. He's edifying you. You don't got to stay depressed all the time. He's going to bring the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, right? That should be fruits that are abounding in your life no matter what the circumstance is. Whether you go through good times or bad times, the fruit of the Spirit stays the same and you're always in joy. Because that's what God wants us to get, right? To where we're always consistent. No matter if the pressure gets high or low, you always react in the first fruit of the Spirit, which is love. Yeah, but they're about to, you know, they might string you up and beat you <laughs> for preaching the gospel in another country and the only thing that's going to come out of you. Think of Stephen. They're stoning him. Oh, what did he react in? Love. Well, I'd like to get there when you're pulling rocks and throwing them at my head. You're still only getting the same thing. Love, it doesn't matter what you do to me. Well, if you spend time with the Holy Spirit, he'll make sure that that happens. But you've got to give him time. It's a, it's a very natural thing with spiritual. It's so spiritual, but it's so natural because the way it works is you have to decide to do it. You know, when I first went down to Texas, when I grew up in Texas, my mind's kind of everywhere right now, but that's a good thing because I feel the Holy Spirit shifting. When I was in Texas and I met my wife before we were married, you know, when I saw her, I said, my God, I want to get to know her. <laughs> I want to pursue a relationship with her. And there was practical steps that I had to do in order to get there. I had to invest time. Everyone say time. See, a relationship cannot grow unless you invest time, you know. Henry keeps getting on to me for not responding to his text. He said, how can this relationship work? <laughs> 
You got to invest time in order for something to grow, in order to get to know someone. I would have never got to know my wife unless we sat down and communicated, got to know each other. Well, it's the same basic principle whenever you're praying in the Spirit. You're, you're allowing not only to get to know God, but you're allowing God to come and mingle in your life. You're giving Him permission. It's simple. You don't have to be intimidated. You know, you hear preachers talk, well, I prayed for 16 hours. It's okay. Start with 10 minutes. That's okay. There's no comparison. Just because, you know, you could have someone that's praying consistently every day, short amounts of time, but being obedient to what God's saying, they're going to be moving quick in the things of God. That's good. You shouldn't look at time limits. You should look at the relational side of things. It's consistent. Stay consistent at it. Be diligent about it because consistency always wins. Well, you know, some of us men in here, you know, you work, I work hard, I got to get up early. Well, all you got to do is get up just a little bit earlier, you know. Add 30 minutes to that time clock. Wake up at 5.30 instead of 6. Make your cup of coffee and pray in tongues. Well, I promise you, if you start to do that, you're setting your life on a course of complete, utter awesomeness. <laughs> Open your Bible and read it. At first, it might seem like a fight, but listen, now at this stage in my life, there's really only a couple things I want to do with my time. And that is preach the gospel for Jesus Christ, spend time with my wife and my little girl, and I want to pray and read my Bible. <laughs> I love praying and reading my Bible. It didn't start there. I used to hate it. But I'm so in love with him now, I look forward to it. Because that love grows. The intimacy grows, you know. And I promise you that you could tap into the will of God for your life if you start to do this. There's no special cases. I'm not special. Richard's not special. There's no special case that God gave a sovereign way for anybody to get to know him so they could learn who they are and learn about the will of God and take the steps and walk in it. The preachers are not special. God expects everybody to fulfill their calling. Your calling might be different than mine, but you still have the responsibility to find out what it is and fulfill it. We've lost that importance, you know. All the preachers get the glory. The preacher's job, we're supposed to edify the body of Christ so that you guys move forward. Not so that we would be exalted, but that you would find out what you're supposed to do and we would all work together and we'd get on with this thing, you know. There's so many calls that have gone unfulfilled because everybody has attributed everything to getting behind the pulpit and preaching. And so people feel left out because they say, well, I... You know, I don't feel like I'm a preacher, and so you feel like there's nothing for you. If you start praying in tongues, God will show you what you're supposed to do. And it would be just as important as me standing up here preaching this message that I am right now. No different. Just a different facet, a different side of it. But God needs you to fulfill the will of God on this earth, you know? Well, I don't feel like I'm called to make money. That's okay. You just give it to Richard, right? No. <laughs> Well, I don't know how to, it's okay. You don't have to know how to do anything. All you have to know how to do is pray. <laughs> Open your Bible and read it. You don't need your knowledge, you need his. And he wants to transfer his knowledge to you as you pray. <laughs> it's one of the most precious things in the world. And it's to everyone. Everybody say everyone. All of us are included in this. And God's tugging, I can tell, really heavy, especially to the church members here. He's calling you into this. A lot of you have been putting it off, you know? Well, you don't have to do that. 
Now is the time. The day of salvation is today. God's speaking. The Holy Ghost is speaking. Don't refuse him who's speaking from heaven. <laughs> Hebrews 2. Let's all stand. And close your eyes and bow your head. <laughs>